Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here. Yes, you can put your hands together for the great God that we serve. Woo! It is an honor for us to join you and uh, to come into your living rooms, to come into your workout session, to come into your pre-football experience, to come into your whatever you're doing on today. Okay, I'm going to ask you that you zoom in because what we have to say today is significant and it will, not maybe, it will alter the course of your life if you get this one right. Uh, we're in a series on decision making. We're calling it discernment, how to make wise decisions. And you've heard from two communicators so far, uh, Jada smashed it and then Albert Tate killed it. Will you help me honor the communicators that have gone the first two weeks? Yeah. Woo. Awesome. All right. Let me tell you why this is so important. Um, if you don't have this yet, you need to have it. It's in my kids' rooms, and uh, it should be on your wall as well. And if you have kids, it should be in theirs. If you don't have it, go online, and you can get this um, for free. It's just a five questions that you should ask when you're at a crossroads and you have a major decision to make in your life. Here's the, here's the thesis. Um, um, the decisions that you make will determine the quality and the direction of your life. The decisions that you make will, every time, determine the quality of your life and the direction of your life. These are huge. The stakes are really, really high. So when you're at these crossroads, don't take it lightly. That one decision is going to determine the quality, the quality of life you live, and it will determine, listen, the direction your life goes into. That is why we're asking and we're helping you ask some questions that help you um, make wise decisions. This is so huge. I wish somebody had told me this earlier in life, which is why I'm telling you now, which is why my kids are going to learn it before they reach 10. Anytime you see them, just ask them. Just ask them right now. If you have a decision to make, uh, what, what's, what's a question I should ask? And they should be able to tell you. They should ask something like this. What does love require of you? That's a good question to ask when you're at the fork of the road. What, what, what does love require of you? Here's another one. What story do you want to tell? What story? At the end of this, when the decision is made, when you get mad and you ticked off at everybody and you did something foolish, what, after the fact, when everything settles down, what story do you want to tell? What story do you want your kids to tell about you 20 years from now? You better ask these questions when you're in the heat of a major decision. Because, because, because you know and I know that we can sell ourselves on a bad decision. You are good at it. You have perfected the art. You don't need no new shoes, but you're selling yourself on why you need some new shoes. You got a hundred, you, sorry, I'm in Collin County. You got a thousand pair of shoes in your house, but you still want another one that has just a little different style. Do you know what you're doing? You're selling yourself on why you need something else. Fellas, I'm not leaving you out. You know you don't need no more car, but you think, well, I need this one to be in the garage and I only drive this one on Saturday. You don't need no more car, but you are selling yourself on a bad decision. The reason you need this is because all of us get to the fork in the road. Well, I mean, I can't stand it. Here's what we do. 
we make decisions to be happy, and then we, when we get into something, we'll make decisions when you don't like it no more to be happy again. God didn't call you to be happy, you know it. He called you to be holy, but yet still all our decisions are made based on happiness. This ain't the sermon. This is just the introduction to the sermon, but I'm not near the sermon yet. You know I'm ready to start when I pray. I ain't prayed yet. I'm just setting you up so you know why this entire series is so very important. Listen to me, please. Please. There are five questions. Whenever you spend a million, thousands and thousands of dollars to go to counselors, you know all the counselors trying to get you to do? They're trying to lead you like, 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 like breadcrumbs to a, to, a, to a bird. They're trying to lead you so that you can know the questions you should ask so that you can then make the right decisions. They're not going to tell you what to do. They're going to make you ask the right questions, which will lead you to the right decisions. There is a connection between good decisions and good questions. That's why you need this, to ask the right questions to get you to the right decision. If not, you're going to make decisions based on how you feel. I don't feel this. I don't feel this no more. I don't feel, I'm tired of them. They think I, I can, I'm leaving this job because I don't feel it no more. You don't make decisions based on your feelings, baby. You sure don't. If you do, you will regret it. And your kids will regret it if you make decisions just based on how you feel. You don't leave a marriage because you ain't feeling it no more. That ain't no reason to leave. That's not what the Bible says. No, you are in a marriage to make, to make God look good and for you to grow in your relationship with him. That's why you're there. So the marriage can sanctify you so you look like Jesus. Therefore, you must learn these. Go get them. We're giving it away for free.com. You just go get it, put it on your wall, and uh, when you're at a fork in the road, ask them. Please, the stakes are too high. And number two, give it to all your kids. I want your kids to know it's secondhand. They, well, well, should I try drugs? They should ask the question, what story do you want to tell? You want to go down that path? Okay, but you want to tell a story. And your kids won't tell a story about that decision that you made. Well, I'm going to drop out of school. What's, what, uh, is that the wise thing to do? Or here's the question, another one. Why am I doing it really? What's the real motive of the heart while you're doing it? You just want to get even. You want to be in control. You want to fight back. They ain't going to do that to me. Not on my watch. That's all bad decisions. Which is why you have to ask questions. That's why we want you to learn the art of asking good questions, which will lead to good decisions. Good questions lead to good decisions. Everybody say that with me. Good questions lead to good decisions. Two more times. Good questions lead to good, last time. Come on, everybody. That's not, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. That ain't everybody. Everybody. Good leads to good, last time. Good leads to good. All right, now let's pray. That was just, I hadn't preached in a while. So I just needed to get stuff out of me. <laughs> so let's pray now, and we can get to the sermon. Is that all right, Sam? Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Um, <laughs> uh, hey, Dad, um, we need you. So will you, will you remove all the distractions at home so we can hear from you? Will you move, remove all the distractions in the house so we can hear from you? Do what only you can do. Please make it appear as if nobody else is here and you're having a conversation with each one of us 
individually. Align our hearts to your heart so we might do what you want done. Remove the communicator so that all they hear is Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. All right, you're going to need some notes today. Um, so you're going to need one of these. If you don't have one, just go on our app or download it from our, from our website. And by the way, if I miss any blanks or don't fill them out, it's okay. At the end of service, they're all going to be there. Don't get mad and stay mad. At the end of service, all the blanks will be filled out. This is just a guide to keep somebody who has ADD in place. Okay, that's all this is. Somebody who has ADD need a guide so you know where you are so you don't just go off. Is that okay? Praise God. Um, in the Olympics, everybody, there is this thing called the fall start. If you're in the 100 meters, 200 meters, or 400 meters, you get in the blocks and you, and you start down in the blocks on your mark, get set, go. Well, a number of years ago, they changed the rules. And so today, as it stands, the rules are that if you fall start one time, you're out of the race. You're out of the race for that event completely. It does not matter. There, it doesn't matter how fast you are. It doesn't matter if you're the world record holder. It does not matter how slow you are. If you jump the gun, you are out of the race. It does not matter that you've trained for four years. It does not matter that you've been pumping weights for four years. It does not matter that you've been watching what you eat for four years to prepare for the Olympics. Once, if you do it in the preliminary event, once you jump the gun and you start before the gun goes off, you are disqualified from the event. Has anybody ever false started in your life? You ever, you ever got married and then you had a false start, so you got a divorce and you got a do-over? Anybody ever false started financially? In your financial life, you made some foolish decisions, and because of that, you had to file for bankruptcy. Anybody ever fall started in their health? You go down a path of eating uh, all kind of uh, nonsense, and because of that, now your health is, is, is all tore up. Now you have diabetes, high blood pressure, the whole nine yards, because you fall started in a particular area. Well, today I want to talk about one concept called regret recovery. Regret recovery last time regret recovery you've made a bad decision uh you have been disqualified from something and i want to show you what god is up to if you have made a decision that was so bad you regret the decision today I want to talk to the people that have been crying over the bad decision. I want to talk to the people that have lost sleep over this bad decision. I want to talk to the people that's been curled up in the bed, can't move, blanket over your head, saying to yourself, I can't believe I do it. Can I get a do-over God? I want to talk to those people today. The people who have made such a bad decision that you are wondering, does God even want to still use me? You're who I'm targeting today. You've made a bad decision, and I came by with some good news to tell you, that God is bigger than your bad decision. Your God is much bigger than your bad decision, and he wants to use you in a mighty way, even though you made a bad decision and you have regret upon regret upon regret. 
That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I want you to go to your notes real quickly and notice what happens when you make a bad decision. You start to lose confidence. You start to, you start to think your dreams are gone. You don't have vision anymore. You can't see clearly. You're, you feel your dignity is gone. You don't have peace of mind. Your plans, all of them, you think they're all gone. You lose hope. You lose joy. Your identity was wrapped up in the thing you wanted to get done. Your peace is gone. And you're walking around with your head, your hands in your head wondering can God still use me? Can he turn this situation around? Can he turn my kids around? Can he turn my, my second marriage around? Can he turn this thing around? And I'm talking to you today because I'm here to tell you that God ain't done with you yet. That God ain't done with you yet. That's good news for somebody. You see, if you ain't never been through nothing, you be like, what's he talking about? Regret. What's he talking about? But if you know that you know that you have acted a plum fool in your life and you need the grace of God washed over you, then put your hands together and say, thank you, Jesus, for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God is bigger than your bad decision. You don't believe me, so let me go to the text. Because some of you still say, no, I'm telling you, I heard what my mama said. She said, I ain't going to do nothing. I heard what my daddy said, even though he wasn't there, I ain't going mountain nothing. And it's working out so far because of my bad decision. I knew I shouldn't have kids when I was a teenager, but I did. And I think it's affected my whole life. And no, I'm not becoming who God's called me to be. I'm here today to tell you, God, is bigger than your bad decision. But let me prove it to you theologically first. So come on with me. Go to Mark chapter 14. Let me set it up for you. Mark chapter 14, the, the, the disciples are gathered around. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross in chapter 14. Peter, the one who loves to talk, starts talking already. He's yapping and yapping and yapping and yapping and yapping. And Jesus is going to the cross, ladies and gentlemen. And Jesus says, um, Peter, I have something to tell you. Okay? Now, there are four common reasons why you made a bad decision. There are four reasons. There are probably a couple more. But these are the four main reasons why you will often make a bad decision. I'm going to show you the environment for bad decisions. If any of these four are true of you, you're about to make a bad decision. And they all come from Peter, who loved to talk. So if you're a talker and you love to talk, you are prime for a bad decision. Here we go. Let's pick it up. Chapter 14, verse 29. Peter, Peter told him, that is Jesus, hey, 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 Jay, even if everyone falls away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to him, today, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Verse number 20, no, 31. But he kept insisting, if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And they all said the same thing. Don't you like the rest of the disciples? They ain't talking up front. They just say, whatever Peter says, that's what we're going to do too. Whatever Peter said, whatever Peter said. Peter says, God, listen, Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. I don't care what you, I know you all knowing. I know you omnipotent. I know you omniscient. But this boy right here, I am never going to deny you. I'm your road dog. I'm your, I'm your brother from another mother. I'm going to be here with you no matter what. First cause of a bad decision, pride. 
P-R-I-D-E, pride. When you think you're all that, when your ego rises up, when your arrogance rises up, when you think, God, what you talking, what you saying, God? I will never deny you. That is the prime environment for somebody to act a fool. When you start giving excuses, when you start accusing other people, when egotism shows up, you know you're headed in the direction of pride, which means you're about to make a bad decision. Number one is pride. Number two, watch the text. It's all there. Go to, no, go to verse number 37. You see number two. Then he, by this time, by the way, Jesus is going to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he needs Peter and the other boys, his other boys, three of them, to hang out and pray for him because he needs, listen, he needs their ministry of presence. He just wants them around because the weight is so heavy. They can't carry it, but he wants them to, by their presence, to encourage him. Here's what Peter did. Then he came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you really sleeping? At this time, Simon, you're sleeping on me? Couldn't you stay awake one hour? Number two, common cause of a bad decision, fatigue and when you're tired. When you're tired, you're about to make a bad decision. You ever, you ever notice when you go, <laughs> when the kids get on your last nerve and you're sleeping? You get on their last, they get on your last, you sleeping, you trying to go to bed, they be talking about, let's play, let's play. But if you don't get, you don't get out of this room right now, I'm finna, I'm finna play with you, all right? I'm finna play with your leg. I'm gonna play with you. Don't call CPS, we all right. Um, but when you're most tired is when you're about to make a bad decision. When you're worn out, when you can't take it anymore. When you stayed up too late and the next day uh, you're going to work and people start getting on your last nerve but you haven't had enough sleep. So now you just want to get even. And it was like, don't play with this ain't the day. Choose another day. This ain't the day. Not the fool. You're going to make a, you're going you're gonna, you're gonna to cuss somebody out at the wrong time. By the way, it's never right to cuss somebody out. <laughs> Let me just correct that real quick. Because somebody be like, he said it's the wrong time. Which means there is a time to cuss somebody out. Let's talk about the cussing ministry for a while. There is never an appropriate time to cuss nobody out. And don't be talking about, I ain't been saved long. I ain't been saved long. If you got the Holy Ghost inside of you, you're supposed to walk in the Spirit so you, do, so you don't fulfill the deeds of the flesh. So quit tripping me talking about, Pastor, I want to be the leader of the cussing ministry. The cussing ministry. Cussing <laughs> Never make a big decision when you are tired or depressed. Jesus wanted their presence. When you're fatigued, you are more controlling. And when you're fatigued and tired, you are more fearful. Listen to me, family. Never make a big decision when you're tired. Go to bed. What, but, they're, but they're getting on my last nerve now. Go sleep somewhere. Go lie down and sleep because his mercies are new every morning. And you're going to need his mercy before you make a foolish decision. Can I get a witness somebody in here? I'm telling you, you're going to need it. You're going to need it. So therefore, don't make it. Number, four, number three. Number three. I got a long way to go. So come on. Number three. Watch the text. Watch the text again. Come all the way down to verse 54 and you see the last two. These are the common, the common causes of a bad decision. Number three. Watch what happens. Peter followed him at a distance. There it is. Anytime you're following Jesus at a distance, you're about to make a bad decision. 
that some of you do the same thing. You're talking about, well, I don't really like to be all in in the church. I don't need to be all in to Jesus. I don't need to be all in. That's just, it just seemed kind of fanatical. So you thought, well, you know, I'll just do the Jesus thing at a distance. Whenever you put Jesus at a distance, you're about to make a bad decision. Number three is fear of disapproval. Number three is when you, the fear of disapproval. Peter wanted to be liked by everybody. So because you want to be liked by everybody, it means you will, comp- listen, you will compromise your value system so that people like you. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. You got to know that there's some people that you're going to that you're going to piss off. You're going to make them mad because of your value system. So when your value system is intact, then you, there are people that are not going to like you, and you have to be okay with that. Because if you're not, you're going to do everything they want you to do, which means you're going to compromise your values to gain their approval, which means you're going to make a decision you will regret for the rest of your life. Don't do it, fam. Don't do it. Number one is pride. Number two is fatigue. Number three is the fear of disapproval, not being liked by people. Watch the number four one. It's powerful. Number four, watch the text again. It gets better. Right in the high priest's courtyard. Listen, he was sitting with the servants, warming himself by the fire. There it is. Peter, you wanted your short-term pleasures to be filled. He needed to be, he didn't want to stand with Jesus where it was cold, so he needed the short-term pleasure of warmth so that he felt okay. Watch the word. When when you choose your short-term pleasure over your long-term character, you will always make a bad decision. I wish I had a weakness in here. Y'all looking at me crazy. When you choose short-term pleasure, if you're not feeling me, don't let me go there. When you choose short-term pleasure over long-term character, you're about to make a foolish decision. You're still not feeling me, so I'm going to walk down your lane. Singles, come here. When you choose that you lonely on this particular day and somebody calls you and says, what you doing? You know what he's asking when he says, what you doing? You know, once somebody start a conversation with what you're doing, you know where this conversation is going. You need to say, get thee behind me, Satan, and hang up that phone. But you ain't going to do it because you want short-term pleasure. I, I wasn't going to go here. I didn't go here in any other service. But y'all playing like y'all don't struggle with the, with the, with the short-term pleasure. So you're going to make me go there. Since I'm going to go there, let me hang out there a minute. And so you want to fulfill your, your, your lustful desires instead of discerning long-term character. Here's what that means. That's why, that's why when you actually do get married and you are now tempted outside the marriage, that's why you end up flirting outside because when the, when the short-term pleasures were there before you got married, you didn't handle it well. So when you get married and the short-term pleasures still show up, now you still want to go do it. But now the stakes are so high. See, before it wasn't that high, or you didn't see it as that high. But now when you're married, it is. I wasn't going to go here, but y'all be quiet in the house. So I needed to go there because I had to walk down somebody's lane today who think you're getting away with something. And God is saying, no, no, no. I don't want you to choose short-term pleasure anymore. It's going to hurt you in the future. I want you to choose long-term character. Can I get a witness, somebody? Anybody in here ready to choose long-term character, not short-term pleasure? Ah, don't mess with me today. 
was just minding my own business, walking through the text. And you pretended as if you're all holy and thou. So I had, to, I had to sit there for a little while. All right, let's go. Come on, come on, come on. I got a long way to go today. I haven't preached, but this is three weeks worth of sermon all together because I haven't preached for three weeks. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> now, you've seen, you've seen it from Peter's perspective. Now I want you to see from God's perspective. You've seen it. Peter, Peter said, okay, yeah, let me, okay, I'm prideful. That's why I fell. Okay, I'm fatigued. I'm tired. That's why I couldn't stay up. Um, um, I, I, I wanted the warmth. That's why short-term pleasure. And then I wanted the approval of men. That's why, that's why I stayed a distance from Jesus. You've seen it from, from Peter's perspective. Now I want you to see it from God's perspective. This is encouragement to somebody in here that think because of your bad decision, God has walked away from you. I want you to see it from a divine perspective. Luke chapter 22. Luke, come here. Luke chapter 22. This is why you have to read the whole counsel of God, because it's powerful. Look at it from God's perspective. Luke chapter 22, verse 31, number one. Here's what he says. Simon, Simon, look out. Somebody say, look out. That's right. Shout at your, if you're at home, shout at your television. Look out. Don't, don't write it in the chat. Just look at the screen. Look out. That's what Jesus said. Simon, hey, Simon, Simon, look, 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 look. look out. Why, 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 why? Look at the text. Satan... As to sift you like wheat. No, whoa, 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 whoa. So God, before I made this bad decision, you knew this was coming? Yeah. Because Satan can only come to you if I allow him. So he has to first pass through my hands to get to you. So I know that you're at the crossroads right now. Because I know Satan is trying to take you out because you, you're trying to spend more time with Jesus. You're trying to come to church and be engaged. You're trying to serve, live in community group. And so you're trying to change so that you can be more like Jesus. So guess what Satan is going to do? He's seeking to sift you today. That's from God's perspective. So number one is, number one is, watch it now. I know, God says, I know every mistake you're going to make. Everyone. Because he's omniscient. He knows it all. So he says, I know it. Before it happened, say, uh, Peter, I knew it. Number two, watch the text. Uh, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Do you see? Here's number two. I already prayed for every mistake you're going to make. Jesus is saying, not only did I know it, because he had to ask me first about your mistake. Number two, I prayed for you. Because I love you so much, I didn't want you to fail. So I was praying that your inner man would rise up so that you can pass this test, so that you can be my shining star for my glory, Peter. But because of your pride fatigue, because you love the approval of men, and because you wanted your short-term pleasure, Peter, you failed. But that's not where it ended. Look at the text. It continues. So one, Jesus knew. Number two, he prayed. The text continues. Number three, and you, when you have turned back, so he knows you're going to repent. So he knows you're going, he knows you're going to come to the end of yourself and turn this thing around. He says, I love you so much, I'm already praying, and I'm praying for two things. I'm praying, one, that you don't fail, but I'm praying, two, if you do fail, that you'll turn around and come back to me and says, God, please forgive me for falling short 
of you. That's how much your God loves you. You ain't serving a God that wants to, that wants to, that wants to discipline you and walk away from you. You're serving a God whose hands is open, wide open, and say, I know you made a fool of yourself. I know you made a bad mistake, but I want you to come because I'm going to love you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to pray for you. And then look at what he says next. Last thing, number four. Watch what he says. He says, number four. Now, by the way, when you turn back, can you now use your misery as your ministry? And now can you strengthen your brothers, please? Can you now serve your brothers? Because I just didn't allow you to go through that so you can keep the lesson to yourself. I want you to learn the lesson, and I want you to help your other brothers, which is why he has a whole book called First and Second Peter, where now he's telling you what you ought to be fighting for because he fails. He can now encourage you. Do, you want me to tell you what God wants to do with your mistakes? He wants you to now use your mistake to encourage somebody else so they don't go down the same path you went down. That's the God that loves you. He says, I'm not going to waste your mistake. I want to use it for my glory and for your good. That's how much I love you. That's the good news. So now we can get to the sermon. This is all preamble. Now turn the page of the sermons on the next page. Uh, all of that was just getting you ready to see how Peter saw it and then how God saw it. Now we're going to look at a bad mistake that one young man made. Okay, now, um, if you're going to understand God and his ways, you've got to ask the question, how does God develop your faith? That's the question you need to ask. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is so important. This is as important as the questions you ask. You need to remember this. You must know what God is up to in every season in your life so that you don't fight against him, but you partner and, 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 and cooperate with what he wants done. So I'm going to show you the six phases that God uses to develop your faith. And you must ask, when, when you get to the crossroads, you must ask, where am I? And what is God trying to get out of me so that when I know that, I can be a part of the plan and work with it and not fight against it? Because that's what too many questions do. The number one question I get, the number one by far, here's the question. Hey, what's God doing right now? I don't know what God is doing. Every time, number one question I get in counseling, number one question I get, I get asked all the time is, hey, Pastor, can you help me understand what God is doing? So I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you his phases of developing your faith. Now, remember I told you this about three weeks ago, that faith is God's love language. So what he wants more than anything else is for your faith to be increased. That is why this is so important. Without faith, it's impossible to finish it with me. Please, God. So he wants you to develop your faith. So if you ever want to mosey on up to God, then all you've got to do is exercise your faith muscles. So let me show you the six phases that he uses from Genesis to Revelation. So the next time you are in a situation, you can ask yourself, what is God up to? And this will guide you. And then we're going to go look at the illustration and then we're done. So come on. Here it is. The six phases of faith. Number one is the dream. That's when God gives you a dream for your life. Everybody has one. If you don't know it, that means you haven't even started the phase on the journey yet. Number one is God gives you a dream. Number two, you have to make a decision about that dream. You've got to decide, God, I'm going to embrace the dream, and I'm going to walk in it. Number three, there is a delay. Wait for God to work in his time. 
This is where the conflict starts. You want it now, and you want to do it in your time, and you want to initiate it. God says, it's not about you. It's about me initiating it and me doing it in my time. That's where it is. Number four is the difficulty. This is where God tests you to get your character development formed. Number five is the dead end, which is what makes you want to give up and throw the towel in. And then the last one is when it's the dream is delivered, when God always brings you out. Now, ladies and please write this down. Please learn how in your community groups, in your life group with your family, when stuff's happening, you ought to go back to this and say, here's what God's up to. Let us wait in the delay. Let us wait in the difficult time. This might be the dead end. So you can, you can cooperate and partner with God and not fight against him, which is what most Christians try to do. You don't fight when he puts you in a hidden place. You cooperate with what he is up to. You're going after making sure you are aligning your heart with God. Can I get a witness in here? Woo! Alright. Now let's talk about the character I want to talk about and then we're done. So now uh, there's a song called It's Your Winning Season. I want to talk about your hidden season. When God hides you. <laughs> when God says Ain't nobody need to know about you right now because your life too raggedy for anybody to know about. I, you might embarrass the kingdom. So let me hide you so I can develop you before I relaunch you. It's your hidden season. Hashtag hidden season. That's what you need to talk about. You need to talk about, is this my hidden season? Everybody want to talk about this your winning season. By the way, by the way, do you know that the Bible talks way more about your hidden season than he does your winning season? So I don't know why you love to sing winning season. We need to make up a song. A praise team need to come up with a song about your hidden season. Because that is way more, um, uh, it is all over the text than your winning season. So let's talk about it. Moses. His name is Moses. Moses. Let's talk about Moses for a moment. Moses started out his life in, with small beginnings. His mama um, knew that there were concerns about him, and so she, she, she put him in a little basket, put him in the river, and said, God, please do something miraculous. Pharaoh's daughter saw the little baby, said, oh, cute, oh. And then says, I want to adopt this baby. Brought him in the palace, but she needed a nanny. God, in his sovereignty, set it up so that the same mama who put him in the Nile will now be the same mama who will raise him in the palace. Oh, don't walk, don't walk past that. Do not walk. Okay, you need me. To, I'm going to stop here then since you don't want. I got to preach here a little bit. Let me tell you about your God. Your God will set stuff up. So that he takes the, the apparently bad things in your life and turn them around for his glory and for your benefit. Note what I said. For his glory and for your benefit. He will work things out if you just let him. So when the bad things happen, God is up to something. Don't, don't, don't scream, yell, and holler. You ought to get your praise on because you know God is setting you up. For something pretty special. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Anyways, that ain't why we're here. So, so um, the name Moses, let me do a little bit of work here. The name Moses 
means the one that has been drawn out. You didn't get it. Um, Moses, Moses, the name, means he has been drawn out. He was drawn out of the womb. He was drawn out of the Nile River. He was drawn out of the palace. He was drawn out of the wilderness. He was drawn out of Egypt. Because God has a drawn out ministry. There's some of you that you've been where you are too long and he wants to draw you out. But because of your fear, you're still staying stuck where you are instead of allowing him to draw you out to your next season. Anyways, for Moses though, it was his, it was his, it was his um, palace season. So he got in the palace and he's growing up in the palace. And uh, you know what happens in the palace, don't you? In the palace, you got the big chair and you got the big head. Lord have mercy. It's all gold. Woo, this just feels good. Hey, by the way, parenthetical thought. Y'all remember in churches where you had, I'm not criticizing any other church, where you had like five of these and, and all the bishops. I'm the important one. So it would be like this. They'd have a crown on, and they'd be like, yes. Hold on. They'd have a crown on, and they'd be like, yeah. Anyways, and that's not my point. Let me, let me stay focused. Um, so. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, Moses, 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 Moses. So Moses, in the palace, everybody was serving him. Everybody was waiting on him. Whatever he needed, he had somebody to go get it for him. Everything in life was taken care of. And he was basking in luxury. He was enjoy he didn't have time to work on his character because he was basking in the palace. Everything he needed, he had. Everything he wanted, he could get. He would snap his fingers and somebody would come running because he enjoyed it. At this season, it wasn't about God, it was about Moses. In this season, it was not about his purpose. It was about his luxury. Be careful, Collin County. Be careful in your luxury. <laughs> Be careful on your job that you're thinking it's all about you. Be careful with all your money that you're thinking it's all about you. Because God didn't bless you just for you. He blessed you because he wanted you to be a conduit through which others might be blessed. But when you're in the palace, you can think the blessing is all about you. And it is not. But Moses started to learn early. Early, 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 Moses started to learn. That he had a burden to lead and to solve problems and to deliver his people. He had it. He had a burden, but it was in its infancy form. Pastor, how you know it was in his infancy form? Well, I know because uh, Moses decided to leave the comfort of the palace one day, and he went walking. And when he went walking, he saw two boys, two Hebrew boys and an Egyptian. And he said, and when he saw the Egyptian treating the Hebrew boys unfairly, he stepped in. Th listen. This is his destiny. Don't ever miss this. This is his destiny. He thinks 
His job is to solve the problem of the Hebrew. Okay, you're not believing. Go to, um, go to Acts chapter 7. Go to Acts chapter 7. Let me read this. I didn't do this in any other service, but apparently I need to do it in you. Boy, you're calling a lot of stuff out of me. This, 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 this service right here. Um, Acts chapter 7, verse number 24. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptians. Important verse. Next verse. Watch it. He assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. Ooh, somebody missed it. His job is to deliver these people. He knows it. But he thinks he's the one that's going to do it. Pride. He thinks, here's his strategy. Moses, you crazy. Here's his strategy. I'm going to kill him off one at a time. That's his game plan. I'm going to kill him off and hide him inside. Kill another one, 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 kill another one and hide him in the sand. That's what he thought. That's what he thought. 40 years later, after he goes to the desert, he doesn't even want to talk. He says, God, I stutter. Who, 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 who do I say sent me? And he's going to have to come to the conclusion that he can't win this battle apart from God. Some of you are fighting the battles you're fighting right now, and you think you can do it. You, you got a little bit of gift. You got a little bit of ability. You got a little bit of school. And you think you're going to get to the top of your company because of who you are and your skills and all that. And God saying, that means you're not ready yet. That means I got to send you to the desert a little bit because you need to learn some, 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 some lessons in your hidden season. Because you still think you can pull this off. You still think, yeah, well, if I just get this right and I just parent these kids right, they're going to come out great. God said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's not you, baby. It ain't you. It's the Spirit of God inside of you. And the more you think it's you, the more drama you're going to create. So, the next day, the two Hebrew boys again were, were having a disagreement. Moses, thinking he's the, the, the deliverer, comes up and says, hey, guys. Come on, you know we can get along. Let's just talk about it. You share your thoughts, and then you'll get to share your thoughts. To which the dude look at him and say, oh, you think you're going to kill us like you did that, like you did the Egyptian? Is that what you think you're going to kill? Oh, you ain't going to kill us now, so you better go back up in that palace and leave us alone because we know you killed that Egyptian, and we know where you put him in the sand, which terrified him now. Now he's like, uh-oh, they know. Joker, you buried him in the sand. Of course they know. So now... Pharaoh is trying to kill him, which introduces his hidden season. God says, you're not ready yet. You, you, you got something right, though. You got your dream right. You're just not ready for the dream yet. You're not ready to deliver these people. So let me take 40 years to develop you before you can come back and set these people free. His 40 years was his hidden season. Here's my question for you. How long yours going to take? How long your hidden season going to take? So here's what it looks like. So now God has to send him to the desert. Let's put up the desert. Now God has to send him to the desert, and he's got to learn some lessons in the desert. But in the desert, all he's talking to is rocks and sand. That's all he's talking to. Here's, listen to me. Don't miss this. You see over there in the palace? 
Everybody is serving you. So you're distracted all the time. In your hidden place, nobody else is around but you and God. You know what your desert is? Your prayer closet. So if you don't have a prayer closet, this message says go get one. Because you need to go in that, de- in that quote unquote desert or your prayer closet so you can hear from God. Because that's what Moses needed to hear. He needed to see that there's some stuff in him that had to get out before he can go to his dream and before he can be the deliverer that God called him to be. There's some of you right now that you will never get to your dream because you try to avoid the desert. You can't get there unless you go through the desert. It's your hidden season. Anybody ready for their hidden season? I know y'all ain't. Let me ask again. Anybody ready for the hidden season? Uh Uh-huh. That's four of you clapping. Anybody ready for your hidden season? All right, come on. Let's go. Let's go through these seven and then we're done. We have seven, seven lessons to learn in your hidden season. Seven lessons to learn. Lesson number one. The reason God has to take you there. The reason he has to take me there. The reason all of us. If you're ever going to become all that God has for you and achieve the dream that he has for you and accomplish the mission that he has for you, you got to go in the desert. So here we go. Number one, God will hide you to protect you from something that is less than your destiny. God will hide you, desert, to protect you from something less than your destiny. What do we find here? We find him here, and guess who's running after him to kill him? Pharaoh. Something is trying to, someone is trying to take him out so he never gets to delivering the people of Israel out of Egypt. God is trying to do the same thing for you. He is saving you from somebody who is trying to take you out emotionally, take you out mentally, drive you bananas, and he is driving them out of your life so that he can focus on developing out of you the character qualities of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pleading with you. You got to know that. Um, GM, 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 GM. Whenever they go through their cars, um, before they go... um, um, mass produce them and stuff, they have to test them. When they test them, they put two dummies, one or two dummies, and replicate what a family would look like, and then drive that thing about 60 to 75 miles an hour and go bang into a wall. Do you know why they're doing that? They're doing that because they're trying to make sure the brakes work right. They're trying to make sure the body of the car was built right so that they come out with a better product at the end of the day. The reason God is bringing you outside of the light is because he wants to develop you so that when the difficult days show up for 40 years later, your internal character, your fortitude can handle the difficult days when you have to go tell Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world, let my people go. You got to have the internal character to be able to pull that off. That's why he has to introduce you to your hidden season. You see, because here, you see right here, this is where you're still trying to fight God. No, God, I can do it now. I want it now. It's my season now. And God is saying, calm down. I've got so much more for you. Don't go after short-term pleasure. Go after long-term character. Number two. Come on, somebody. Number two. Um, God will teach you in the desert what you can't learn 
in the palace. Lord have mercy. God will teach you in the desert what you can't learn in the palace. In the palace, you're arrogant. In the palace, you think you know it all. In the palace, you think you have the strength to defeat anything. In the palace, you think it all depends on you. He can't teach you the stuff he needs to teach you until nobody else around but you and God. You've been fighting it. Every time you got to turn on your phone, you got to keep scrolling on your, on your social media feed because you're trying to just get distracted, distracted, distracted. You're supposed to be doing a fast now. He can't even make you do the fast. Yeah, that, it don't take all that. I don't need to do all that. I don't need to. I just need to be me. Just do you. Be me. And God is saying, no, no, you're trying to avoid the desert, but you cannot avoid the desert if you want to get to the dream that I have for you. So quit scrolling. Quit doing all the foolish you're doing. Get away from all your other friends and realize that God wants you to hear his voice and no other voice so he can speak truth into your life so you can get ready for the dream he has for you. Can I get a witness? Somebody. <laughs> Woo! Number three. 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 This is where now you're hurting. And you're hurting because you have to, you have to slowly give up this dream. You have to slowly give it up so you can depend on God, so can God can shape you. But you're first fighting, then you went to hurting, and you're hurting because you, you, he's prying your hands open because you don't want to give it up. So you have to pry your hands, and you got to pry it open so that you can give it over to God. This is the season you're in. So because you're there, he has to do number three. Number three says, it's in the desert, not in the palace, that your depth is discovered. It's in the desert, not in the palace. Because in the desert, this is how you know how much word you have in you. That's how you know how much word you have in you. Because when ain't nobody else around, this is when you cry out to God. Search me, O God. And know my heart. This is when you cry, create in me a clean heart, oh God. And renew a right spirit within. If you don't have no word, all you're going to be doing is mumbling in here. But God needs to teach you some word so that you are filled with the word of God. So when you go to your Pharaoh, you and Pharaoh comes to you and says, who sends you? You can say, I am that I am sent me. Now what, Pharaoh? But if you don't have no word in you, no, you can't go anywhere. Because you go to fear and you run away. Because the depth of God's word is not in you. Here's the danger of the church of Jesus Christ today. We just think we don't need a word. Let's go hear somebody else preach. You don't need nobody else's preaching. You need to know the word for yourself so you're a self-feeder. So that when, when, the, when the enemy raises his ugly head, you can, you can say to yourself, and you down, and your head's down. You can say, why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. And raise yourself up with the word of God. And say, devil, you're a liar. Get thee behind me so I can do what God's called me to do. But if you don't have the word in you, you can't do that. That's why you don't abort the hidden season. Because it's vital to your future success. All right, no, number three. Number, number, let's go to number four quickly. Number four. Number four says this. Now you're getting into, you move out of fighting. You're moving out of hurting. Now you're trying to get to know God more. And when you go there, here we go. When you have outgrown where you are, God will graduate you. Let me say it again. When you have outgrown where you are, then it's that season to get pulled out. When you have outgrown the desert because he's done his surgery, he's done the work, he's developed your character, that's when you get to be, to be drawn out 
okay, you're not feeling me. Let me talk. Let me talk to you again. Um, if, you have, if you have kids at home, um, you know you got some Pop-Tarts. Over there, kids, they're Pop-Tarts. Now, um, for illustration, I'm on the Daniel fast, but for illustration purposes, um, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Boy, the short-term pleasure. See that? Short-term short pleasure. Short-term pleasure. Lord have mercy. But boy, this Pop-Tart looked good. Do you hear me? It really looked good. I should just lick my fingers and get some of them crumbs, but I won't do that either. I just can't stand another piece of lettuce. When I say I can't wait for next Sunday, I'm sick and tired of lettuce, carrots, uh, tomatoes, celery, broccoli. I don't want none of them. I'm sick and tired of corn, everything. Corn, uh, corn tortilla. I'm tired of it all. So I need a piece of Pop-Tart. But I, that's, not, that's not the point. It's an illustration. So anyways, um, Pop-Tarts, Pop-Tarts, Pop-Tarts. Now, the problem with us is that when God puts us in our hidden season and when we cannot be seen, sometimes we don't like it. And we say, God, enough is enough. I can't take it. Get me out of here, God. Get me out. I can't take it. Get me out. Now, when, when, when you prematurely come out and God looks you over and you don't look like he wants you to look, he be like, no, this is not for my enjoyment. This might be for your enjoyment, but this ain't for his enjoyment. So God's going to say, listen, you, since you didn't learn the first time, let me put you back in. Let me turn the dial a little bit more so I can test you a little bit more. You were at a one, but since the first year wasn't good enough, you tried to get out prematurely. Let me give you six years in the situation that you're in. Turn the dial up and let me put you back down. Anybody trying to abort your hidden season? Anybody trying to get out before it's your time? Anybody trying to get out and say, God, enough, enough. I can't take the heat. That means you don't understand where you're going. If you think this is heat, where you're going, you need to be able to feel this kind of heat because God's going to take you up against your Goliaths and against your Pharaohs and you're going to have to look them in the eye and say, I ain't scared of you. I ain't scared of nothing you do to me because my God shall supply everything I need. You don't know who you're messing with. You're messing with a child of God. Before, if you had gotten me before the toaster, I would have, run, I'd have tucked my tail and run away. But not after God done put me in the desert for 40 years. You, you done messing with the wrong person now. You should have gotten me before I went into toaster. But now that I'm out of it. You better believe it. Let's keep going. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Number five says this. Number five says, wherever God places you, listen, please don't miss this, don't let obscurity discourage you. you, you ain't nobody else going to be there. It's you in your closet by yourself. And you say, but nobody knows. Nobody's seen me. Nobody's seen the gifts I have. Nobody's seen the abilities I have. Release me, God. Release me. And God is saying, once the lights get on you, ain't no more going back. You have run your course. So get and become the best you can be in obscurity. Obscurity is your friend, not your enemy. 
Don't get under the lights too soon because they hurt and it burns and it's hot. So develop everything you can develop. You're a songwriter, write a hundred songs in obscurity. So when you come out and say, hey, can you have another one? Oh, yeah, I got a hundred more. What, you need something else? Too many people want to come out with one song. When God needs you to develop a hundred. Ooh, see? It just opened, y'all. Ooh, this one you know you're ready. See that? See that right there? This one you know you're ready. I can't even touch it yet because it's too hot. You can't take it out of the toaster yet because it's too hot. It means your 40 years is up. It's now God's time for you to go do what God's called you to do. And listen, ain't nobody can just touch you because you're too hot. You're too hot. You're too hot. You're too hot. Ain't nobody can handle you now because you're too hot. I just made that up. I didn't do that in no other service. Praise the Lord for fresh revelation. It's too hot, y'all. So if you touch it, you got to handle it with care because it's too hot. It's too, they can't, woo, it's too hot. But that's what you need. You need to be so hot with the spirit of the living God that people see God in you and say, you better get out of this person's way because they're on fire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, that would preach. I'm going to preach that. I'm going to go to another church and I'm going to preach that fully. That's a good deal. All right, come on. Number six. Number six. Number six. Number six. It's more about our inner world than our outer world. It's more about our inner world than our outer world. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the inside. Man cares about how you look and whether you have the right suit on and whether you have the right shoes on. God cares about do you have the right heart. Does he have control of your heart? Is your heart open to do what God wants done? Or do you really just want your own agenda. Are you building your kingdom or are you building God's kingdom? God says, if you're building mine, you're in good company because it means you're closer to getting out of your hidden season. Number seven, it says, when we press into God, faith opens the door to his presence. When we press in, remember, it's all about faith. That's what he's trying to do, develop your faith. When you press in, because there's nobody else around for you to press into, when you press into God, it oh, faith opens the door to his presence. By the way, what you need is God's presence. That's really what you need. You don't want the gift. You want the gift giver. If, if you're still after the joy you're going to get when you get the gift, then you're missing the fact and God can't release you to it because he wants you to want him more than the thing that you are craving. Okay, some of you are not feeling me. Um, social media. Um, we have a social media. We have a number of social media teams now. We have one on Facebook. We have one on iCampus. We have one on YouTube. The ones I love the most is YouTube. Know why I love YouTube? Because when you're on YouTube, the person who runs it for our church, um, let's say you have a bad actor on YouTube. You know what they can do? They can, they can first of all, just remove the foolishness you put on the, on the, on the, on the, in the chat. So let's say you just put some foolish, and you can say, oh yeah, let's just remove that chat. So delete, okay, it's gone. You're still there, but they just remove your comment. Let's say you say, well, oh, okay, you want to delete me, okay. And they start typing like a bunch of, they can keep deleting all those comments, but they can go to a second level. They can put you in timeout. Timeout means for three to five minutes, 
You can type all you want. Ain't nobody will show it, and you're in timeout. So you will know that there's nothing that you type is coming on the chat. They can put you in timeout. They can put you in a hidden season. But if you're really stubborn and you're really, really foolish, they can flip it up one level. They can hide you. Ooh, they can hide you. What does hiding you mean? It means you can be chatting all you want. You think everybody is seeing what you're writing, but ain't nobody seen it except you. So they can hide you so that you think all this activity is, 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 is working in your favor and all this activity is going good and you disrupting things and you acting crazy and everybody is now questioning everything. But only you can see it, dog. Not another person can see it because they have hidden you. Can I tell you what happened to too many Christians? God has hidden you because you think, well, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this business deal. And you're working hard, and you're working hard, and you're trying to get it done. And God says, I don't care how much effort you put in it. I'm not going to make that thing succeed because you are right now hidden because you're too prideful and you don't want to humble yourself and you don't want to come to your prayer closet and you don't want to go to the desert. So I'm going to hide you, make you think you have activity and that you're going somewhere. But the favor of God is no longer on you. Be careful, fam, because that's where you're headed if you don't yield to your hidden season. Therefore, the question on the floor today is will you say to God, God, I'm going to trust you in this season. It's my hidden season, and I'm going to trust you. You, God, are worthy of me waiting. I know the process. I know what you go through, God. I know the process. This is my delay season. This is my difficult season. This is my dead-end season. I'm not fighting you anymore, God. I'm going to surrender myself and say, God, I will wait because you're trying to mature my faith so that when, I, when you release me to my dream." I can take on the giants that will show up there. So I don't mind waiting. And I'm going to keep waiting until you release me to my next season. So I want us to sing this song. It simply says, I don't mind waiting. Come on, family. I don't mind 